if you take 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation and you deflate the economy in order to get things back in motion, it's just like physics. You've got to push really, 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 really hard to get this energy back in the economy, to get this elasticity back in the economy where things swing evenly and fluidly throughout the year in a positive responding or negative responding way to the Fed monetary policy. Yeah, inflation's coming down, right. but unemployment isn't rising and wages aren't coming down. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. And usually when I say it, it's tongue-in-cheek. But Saeed, what are the numbers this week? Top 40? In, on Spotify? In 42. Business? Number 42 in business on Spotify. I mean, come on, let's round. Top 40. We can round up. Yeah. yeah it's it's just, let's just say top. Also officially. Quartile. Congratulations. Congratulations, you too. Top 1% podcast. Top 1% of it, all podcasts in the world. Globally. All of them. Every single one. In the world. <laughs> Found it. In any event, we were also number 66 uh, in business in the United States as well on Apple uh, as well. So this is our way of saying thank you to everybody who's listening and tuning in. We appreciate you. And if you're new to the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us on any streaming platform that you may happen to use, although we typically favor YouTube, Spotify, and obviously Apple Podcasts. Yes. So let's jump into it. This week, we've got a lot to talk to you about. We're going to start off with the Dow falling 130 points after the FDIC reveals a record plunge in bank deposits. If you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know... We fucking told you that record, a long time ago. Hey, record plunge doesn't sound like sound and resilient. No, no. You don't understand, Saeed. I'm sorry. Uh, Uncle uh, JP. From the hood. You know, Mr. Powell, if you will. Yeah. He said that the sector is safe and resilient and sound and all sorts of really cool words to make you feel confident. Okay. Yeah, that's what he did. He would never lie to the American public. Got it. We'll it's get resilient. In. We'll get into it. You bet you will. Lying ass. <laughs> We'll turn around and talk about U.S. rate futures. Expect the Fed pause in June in sharp turnaround from earlier. But Saeed and I have our own independent data. And I got some stuff to talk to you about on the yield curve as it relates to that as oh, well. Okay. That uh, I happen to just remember right now. Because looking at your pretty face, it just sparks up memories. Cerebral. It's, it's very cerebrals. <laughs> Goldman Sachs is cutting jobs once again amongst Wall, Street's sl Wall Street slump. I think the caffeine's getting to me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apple customers say it's hard to get money out of their Goldman Sachs savings account. 
Mm. Could be because all the jobs that have been uh, cut there. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Yeah, maybe, they, maybe that's why they're losing jobs. Yeah, that might be a chicken egg argument there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk a little bit about private payroll towards the end, maybe a little bit of downtown office space, and we're certainly going to talk about home prices because what would an episode of The Higher Standard be if we didn't make fun of Dave Ramsey for a little bit? I have to. And we have to talk about why the data is showing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we do the Dave Ramsey segment and yeah. we make fun of him like we normally do, mm-hmm. I'd like to point out that our friends from Mind Pump, all four of them. Oh, are you doing this? Doug, Sal, Adam, Justin, all four were at his event. And I took the high road. You did. I did not make fun of anybody. Some would say the higher standard. I took the higher standard road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I, was, uh, I was an adult. And I said, I hope you guys are having a great time. Choke on it. Choke on it. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> choking on your steaks. All right. This from Forbes. Dow falls 130 points after the FDIC reveals a record plunge in bank deposits. And mm. this is a true story. Before the show started, Sides like, you heard about this, right? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is not something you guys have been talking about in your daily meetings. <laughs> no, because I mean, this, is, this isn't us. And I'm sure it's a lot of other people. But this was interesting because it goes to show you that this contagion, these fears that you've been hearing about in the news, everyone's like, oh, my God, regional community banks are so impacted. Well, it turns out mm-hmm. all banks were impacted. All banks were impacted. So U.S. banks lost $472 billion in the first quarter. That's the largest decline in 39 years. That's a lot of paper, brother. That's a lot of paper. But what this report did end up showing, it's a comprehensive report that they release. And what it ended up showing that a majority of the outflows were uninsured deposits. Insured deposits actually ticked up. Because people were diversifying their funds amongst other institutions, but a lot of people were taking the non-banks to put stuff into like treasuries. Right. Yeah. And then they also... Uh, provide a list of problem banks in this report. And it used to be actually be public, but now they keep that li- those names of banks private and confidential. Mm-hmm. They just tell you the number of banks that are actually seeing problems. Well, because because they, the last thing they want to do is give you a list of banks who, who are challenged and everyone's like, those are the banks you short sell. Those are the banks right there. And especially if they're the ones going to be responsible to making those depositors whole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, we, we, we want no part of this. So that actually ticked up by four banks. It went from 39 to 43. But- that sounds all all bad, but when you look at it from historical standards, there's approximately I think 4,100 banks out in the U.S. So it's like approximately one percent. It's not it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal as far as like number of banks go, mm-hmm. but I think I think consolidation, M and A activity, and all the things that typically happen in response to some a cycle like this mm-hmm. are going to happen. Yeah, and I think that the Fed knew that going in. I think that that's why you see Jerome Powell out in front of the cameras, not really concerned with the the stress in the banking sector. That's why he says it's sound and resilient because in his mind. 99% of the banks that are out there don't have a problem. And especially because um, what, it, what it came out and said that the list of assets that are in trouble is approximately $15 billion. So that's tied into that. Mm. That's tied into that 40, uh, those 43 banks. And if you look at that, that would just by facto mean none of the 30 largest banks are in trouble. Well, yeah. And not only that, but I mean, $15 billion relative to the entire banking sector is so small. Yeah. Like community regional banks are, you know, 13, 15 billion. They're, they're not, they're not huge. Right. So, um, direct quote from the article concerns about the American banking system's health yet again, sent the stock market tumbling Wednesday as one of the major indexes appears to poised to post one of their weakest May returns of the millennium. Wow. Not decade millennium. That's a big deal. 100. Yeah. 100 years. 100p. 100p, dog. Bars. Bars. 
The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 0.4% or 150 points by 3.15 p.m. Eastern, while the S&P 500 and the tech-heavy Nasdaq slid 0.5% apiece. Mm. Headlining the skid were bank stocks, all 10 of the largest U.S. banks by market capitalization dropped 1% or more in Wednesday trading, losing nearly $24 billion in value. Wow. Now, do me a favor, Rune. Go ahead and Google market capitalization. This is a term that gets thrown around a lot. I look mm-hmm. at market cap or market capitalization quite frequently. Yep. And you can compare this relative size of one institution to another by looking at their market cap. If one company has a market capitalization of a billion dollars, they're a bigger company than a company that has a market capitalization of, call it $250,000. Thousand. So market capitalization or market cap is the total value of a company's shares of stock. Mm-hmm. If the company has issued 10 million shares and its share price is $100, its market capitalization is $1 billion. Market cap is calculated by multiplying the number of stock shares outstanding by the current share price. Right. So the natural and likely probable situation of values coming down on stock prices, it means the market capitalization of that bank has gone down, in right. this case, banking sector. But if Apple's stock price goes down, their market cap goes down. Right. And that's how you compare the relative size of one institution to another institution. So then what happens when companies are buying back their stock? You reduce the number of shares on the market. So mm-hmm. when you multiply the number of shares times the stock value, mm-hmm. you actually get a smaller, smaller number. Yeah, smaller number. Yeah, exactly. So so would you say that that's an accurate reflection? Yeah, I think it is. I, I think at any point in time and over your compare your relative companies, I think it's it's an important thing to do. Yeah. Keep in mind too, you typically buy back your stock when it's a good deal and prices are lower. Yeah. And you've got a lot of incoming money. Yeah. Retained earnings, right? And in some and 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 in those cases also the stock price tends to go up. Exactly. So it offsets a little bit. Yeah. So in in effect, really driving market capitalization back up with lower stock there, it helps everybody else. Lower less stock in the market should keep values the same if your value is in a good hold. Position. Should be interesting to see what happens in tomorrow's market actually, because we know as of tonight, what's the, what's the date today? June first. Today's June first. June first. Oh, first of all, there's a lot to get into right here. Sidebar. <laughs> yeah. So Arun, go ahead and turn your mic on back there, thickness, and let's uh, talk about what why? today is. Why? What, because why? he deserves it. Okay. Hi, Daddy. I get. Yeah, oh, wow. that's the end. You call me Daddy. So we said that we were going to be respectful and kind and thoughtful about you being Thick. on the path to de-thicking yourself. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> and today was the first day you had to work out, and I said I was going to harass the shit out of you out of love, and you did work out. Yes, sir. You went on a walk. I did. We have hey. a treadmill inside of our garage. We have a standing desk as well. So I worked and I worked Good out. Good job, man. Honestly, standing though, desk in a walk. Honestly, okay, though, yeah. I'm proud of you. I'll give you that. Good job. Good. All right. But be honest. Was this triggered by my text this morning? Did you, anybody catch it? Neither of you commented on it. No, I did. I just I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. Odin, did you catch it? You out. No. Oh, I I texted both of you guys. Happy June first. Mm-hmm. I was wondering what that was about. I was like, I knew exactly what that was about. Happy June first was we gonna get this motherfucker tonight. <laughs> but no, so as of tonight, June first, um, I'm I'm interested in seeing what the market does tomorrow. Now that we know the debt ceiling was, has been passed, yeah, I would expect it. I would be disappointed if we didn't see stock prices rise. But we saw a little bit in the market today. I think the sector and frankly all the major indices were creeping up, mm-hmm. and it, it just blows my mind that on the house passing this and then it going to the Senate, which presumptively 
was going to pass it during the day before trading hours closed. Right. The, the entire market was trading positive on the idea that they were going to lift the debt ceiling. And it, I thought to myself, why is this so shocking? Mm-hmm. 78 out of the last 78 times they've lifted it. Now 79 they've lifted it. Why is anybody surprised? Why did stocks trade there's down? So much, there's so much here that 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 I'm upset with. By the way, it's confusing. There's some inf- some. I was doing some digging tonight on this. So when the House Republicans first started off these negotiations, and this is why this this conversation is so frustrating. When they started off these negotiations, they said, "We're not going to have these discussions. We're not even going to consider unless there's a 20 percent reduction in discretionary funding." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know you want to know where that shit ended up at? Five percent? No, a freeze next year, so stagnant. Okay. So not only is it not a deduction of twenty percent, it's zero flatline. Yeah. And then for the following year, because it's only a two-year limit, a one percent increase, no deduction. Sounds like they won. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like they got their way. Yeah. No. So that that that's really because we knew like you're coming out, you're saying acting like this is a big problem. This is why Chris and I we all know knew the wanted. whole time they wanted to go on vacation in July. Right. They got vacations planned, both the, the House and the Senate. Right. They all want to go on vacation. They're like, listen, y'all got to get this figured out. Get Feinstein in a wheelchair out here. Let's go. Right. So they're just, we know that they're just kicking the can down the road again. We have a real, real spending problem. I mean, we, they, the government overspends by $2 trillion every single year. This is why the debt continues to go up. Somebody, somebody came to my office today and it was like, hey, man. Can you imagine? Just you know what's going to happen one year? We're going to file bankruptcy. And I'm like, what do you mean by we? Like, you know, the country. <laughs> and I was like, he's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. He's like, what else are we going to do? And I'm like, we're going to go to war with Japan, who's our largest debt holder. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I learned that after yeah. being trolled from the Mind Pump episode. Right. Exactly. People were very upset. I didn't know that. Very upset. Like, I'm supposed to know like the, the world's like spending habits all the time. Yeah, at all I'm times. Trying, I'm just trying to understand my own. Just, just yes, understand my own, run <laughs> yeah. the bank. Yeah. Not a problem. This is a basic financial literacy show. Yeah, basic. Yeah. So shall we jump? Let's jump. Yeah. What we got here? Rune, focus. There you go. U.S. rate futures expect Fed pause in June in sharp turnaround from earlier, according to a Reuters article, except there's a wee bit of a problem here. What's the problem? According to the world in straight probability, there is a 70% probability. For those of you who don't remember what Bloomberg's world in straight probability or the WERP uh, means, it's that for every 100% probability, Mm -hmm. they expect there to be a 25 base point increase. Yep. So in this case, they think there's a 70% probability of a 25 basis point increase at the next Fed meeting. Right. That is the consensus on Bloomberg. You had the Mercantile Exchange, right? Yeah, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and they're at, I think, 72.5% for a hold. And all the jawboning going around the last week, two weeks. Very confusing data. <laughs> they've all, all the Fed officials that have been coming out and speaking, they've said, we don't want you guys to get a hold confused with a complete stop in rate hikes. We're, we now want to see, we want to let the data, you know, catch up. Because we know, we know after a 500 basis point increase, you know, after the last year or so, we haven't seen the effects of that yet. Clearly. I've been having so many arguments with people about this. They're like, oh, you know, inflation's coming down. Like, it's all good, man. I'm like, is it really though? Right. Just because you lost a couple pounds in the beginning doesn't mean you're like in fitness competition shape. Right. So yeah, we've we've shed a couple you know percentage points on inflation, but are we better? No, right. And you know what the biggest indicator of that is? Mm-hmm. We are at the most inverted yield curve since 1981. Wow. So the 10-year treasuries are priced lower than the three-year treasuries. 
Right. Meaning it's more expensive to borrow money for sooner than it is for longer. Because the long term is uncertain to, to some degree. But right. what I will also say is that an inversion typically precedes a recessionary economy. Yeah, always. So, yeah. So there you go. Not only have we been, been inverted for a very prolongated period of time, but now the inversion's as deep as it was during the period of time in this country where we had hyperinflation and Volcker era rate increases that were 50 basis points over and over and over again consecutively until they got 10% higher. Right. Interest rates to borrow on home loans during this time were 20%. Wild, man. Wild. Absolutely Which, wild. which by the way, the world didn't crumble at 20% interest rates. No, no, no. It still moved on. So people right. shouldn't like freak out and go, oh my God, the world's going to end. It's oh, just no, not going to be as easy. What was the unemployment rate back then? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? Oh, uh, you look that from up? 1981, I do not know. Unemployment rate in 1981. Yeah. Uh, the, the question that I have for the people that are really upset at, you know, rates remaining this high and the Fed just not cutting is, look, we clearly have a problem. If the Fed can raise 500 basis points and nothing has happened, really, nothing has happened. Unemployment's at all-time lows, right? 3.4% still? 3.4%. All-time low. That's a problem. Huge problem. So what is it? What do we got here? Go back. I think it was 8.8%, but go back to where you were. There you go. Labor market, which received its second jolt in as many years, was experiencing precipitous declines right. by the first quarter of 1981. The number of unemployment uh, unemployed reached 9.6 million or 8.8% of the workforce by the end of the year. Look, we're at 3.4% right now. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and a lot of that is on the is on the backs of companies believing that still hope for the second half of the year still remaining growth. But that's where I think all this needs to get headed. I think, and I think the Fed truly understands that they're looking at you know the WERP Bloomberg's uh, world interest rate probability. They're looking at Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and they're seeing that people are betting on cuts by the I don't end think of the year. What's going on, man? I think they get in the room, the doors are closed, and they're playing dice. <laughs> Cornhole? Yeah, playing cornhole. And they come out three hours later going like, oh, God. Oh, man, we, we've got we to increase. And they have somebody else bullshit the minutes. <laughs> bullshit the minutes. Yeah, yeah, they're like, hey, man, Neil, cash, yeah. get your ass over here write some minutes. Yeah, do some shit. Come yeah. on. Boast it. Come on. Bro, you know you, you lost the game of cornhole, bro. This is, this is what you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, make the minutes up. By the way, for the listeners that don't know, Chris and I were running the courts for a while. Now there's people out there playing all the time. A cornhole? Yeah. Yeah, my brother tried to challenge me earlier tonight. That's a bad move for him. And I'm like... He couldn't even tell I was he gaming with him. I was playing with him the whole time. He, he doesn't know. even understand. There's levels to this. They, no, bro. He was just trying to get the, the, the bag in the hole. Oh, come on. Come on. That's amateur no, hour shit. Amateur hour, yeah. bro. Come on. If you don't know about the cock block, <laughs> if you play cornhole and you don't know about the cock block, this is an industry term. This is not my, this is not my vernacular, okay? Yeah. This is an yeah. industry term. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't know about that, then. No, and this on, is man. not a joke. Chris and I actually, uh, in, what we, we entered into a cornhole tournament. Dominated that tournament. Dominated. Not won even kidding. Some, won some bikes. We want some uh, Schwinn bikes. Well, and then we subsequently had to give them away. No, no, no. So uh, <laughs> this asshole. I feel like t- we had to give them away. Tell the story accurately. That's what happened. No. That's so the way I recall it. Chris just didn't want to take the bike home because he was lazy. And he said, I don't need this Schwinn cruiser bike. That just not, didn't feel like it was like masculine. $1,000. I felt like you could probably pull that off given your body fat so, and, and feminine positions. You know, I just. Uh, if you're going to diss me, don't stutter. Stu- I know. Uh, you got to deliver all the way. I wanted to pull it back a little bit because I was worried about. Hurting your feelings. Yeah. No, come on. I know you've got feelings. You've been very sensitive lately about me? Know, the level of body fat you've been carrying around. <laughs> come on. You're going to look me in the face and tell me in the bathroom right now when we walked out, you were doing the little titty bounce thing and the, and the shaking your shoulders? 
It's very awkward for both of us. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of jiggling going on. So with Chris life. donates his bike, and then because he donated, I felt like I needed to donate mine too. I wanted to take mine home. You should have taken it home. No, couldn't be. Look, we all know you're the villain. Yeah. Wow. Everybody knows. Come on. Man. You didn't avoid this. You Come just prolongated this time for people to figure it out. But we know now. Don't do this, Chris. Quick question: How yes, many sir. lunches do you owe, Saeed? Oh. Yeah, we used to bet lunches when we played cornhole, and um, that escalated to uh college tuition funds so in my mind in my, <laughs> in my mind logically we were gambling with like fake money right and it was always good to just keep doubling up well i, I took a lot of l's back then yeah and i kept doubling up too it's fine even if i lose it all i'll gain it all back yeah so i owed you like a million lunches or something like four million yeah it was not it was not a good it was not a good good gambling right gambling on our part yeah, i miss i miss those days yeah Much back when we were actually physically in the office every single day and not working no, we were discussing deals. I know. I'm just giving you shit. Come on. It's fine. I mean, we, we were kind of working. What's going on in Goldman Sachs? Goldman Sachs is having a bit of a rough, rough couple of weeks. Um, first, it starts with a little bit of uh, they're cutting jobs, according to CNBC. Mm. Goldman Sachs cutting jobs again amid Wall Street deals slump. Goldman Sachs preparing for its third, not first, not second, third round of layoffs since September as Wall Street firms adjust to a slump in deals activity. They're one of the the leaders actually in uh, on Wall Street to first cut jobs. I remember they were, yeah, yeah. Um, but this goes completely against what you know. Private payroll came out, I think today or was it yesterday, where <laughs> the numbers are going again in the wrong direction. I don't understand where these private payroll numbers are coming from. Where, who the hell is hiring? So um, maybe we give a little bit of a backstory as to why why these uh, these reports are so important because this is different from the jobs report because they lag <laughs> they lag yeah they well, lag private payroll this is this is a report that's produced by um, ADP um, they're private right um, I don't know oh no ADP, you, are they private or public I think they're public you think they're public oh. um, well th- this they're they're they I guess they handle payroll for maybe a lot of a they lot of private companies yeah, they're, they're maybe that's deal. what it is. So they 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 handle the payroll for a lot of private companies, mm-hmm. so um, they're able to provide a report, you know, to the public on payrolls increasing, mm-hmm. right? So basically, what the numbers came out and said: private payrolls rose by two hundred seventy-eight thousand. The Dow Jones estimated one hundred and eighty. Mm, that's not good. Not good. Um, April was at two hundred ninety-one thousand. So clearly, we haven't seen the effects of a, this. Is what we mean where. We haven't seen the effects of a 500 basis point increase. If the if the Fed can raise 500 basis points, m- meaning the Fed funds rate is now five to five and a quarter percent, and unemployment is staying at 3.4 percent, and nothing is changing, that's alarming. That should be very alarming. That it's taking this long for us to see change. There's no back to our conversations we had back in the day. There's no elasticity. Mm, retro, I like that throwback. Yeah. ADP went public in 1961. Thank you, Arun, for pulling that up. Uh, yeah, so elasticity returning to the economy, and this has always long been the supposition of the show, so I don't want anybody to, to listen to the show and think, okay, what the hell is this? We talked about it in early episodes, and we still talk about it on, on an occasion, but certainly not as to the frequency and cadence that we once did. Mm. If you take 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation, and you deflate the economy, yeah, in order to get things back in motion, it's just like physics. You've got to push really, 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 really hard to get this energy back in the economy, to get this elasticity back in the economy where things swing evenly and fluidly throughout the year and right. responsibly to respond in a positive responding or negative responding way to the Fed monetary policy. Right. People are seeing the Fed take giant steps. And even myself, who has been very critical of the Fed in this regard, you know, you look at the steps they're taking, but you're not seeing the responsiveness. You're not seeing this 
this parapassu return. Yeah, inflation's coming down, right. but unemployment isn't rising and wages aren't coming down. Wages aren't coming down. And just as a recap for, because we got some a few new listeners. We got a lot of new listeners. A lot of new listeners. So thank you for jumping on board. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Again. Welcome. But this is what needs to happen. This is this is why the Fed is tackling wages and employment. People wonder well, how does this how does this impact everything, right? If unemployment goes up, then companies out there that are hiring don't have to offer new employees as much money, right? For their for their positions, making wages come down, ultimately causing services to come down. Because if Wages are going up. Those new costs to companies are getting passed on to consumers, right? So that's why that subcategory in inflation, uh, the services portion of it, is the part that's remaining high. We've already tackled goods inflation. That's now come down. But services is what's really keeping this up. Shelter is what's really keeping this up. So no bigger indicator to me since I've been all doing all this traveling, these airplanes are packed. I keep sitting in, in around looking. I mean, I look around the plane. I'm like, what are y'all doing here? You look behind you because I know you're not in general. Don't pop. do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Just do be that. honest. No, 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 no. If I'm you're going to paint a picture, you're looking down the aisle in the back. You know, that's a very elitist and disparaging thing to say. I actually flew Gen Pop to Hawaii. Listen, when we went up to San Jose and you weren't sitting 1A, you were sitting 1B, you were very upset. First of all, that's a Southwest flight. Okay. <laughs> The, the position that you get because you walk on the plane is very indicative of your financial success, okay? <laughs> Don't judge me with that shit, okay? I want you to see me eye to eye when you walk on the plane and go, how'd that motherfucker get in front? Yeah, this guy with his Travis Scotts. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, man, I'm big, dude. I don't like sitting. I don't like sitting in bad seats on planes. And it wasn't just that. On the flight back from San Jose, I was sitting in the middle between two lovely ladies, and uh -huh. I was. What made them so lovely? They were very pleasant to sit next to, and we were rubbing thighs the entire flight and talking <laughs> about all sorts of stuff. And 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 truly, they were they were lovely ladies. But there wasn't a lot of space for me to move. Yeah. Gotcha. And the guy in front of me leans back, and th I mean, you're you're dealing with like not a lot of space. Right. And I thought to myself, never again. <laughs> never never again. doing this shit again. Never. Yeah. Never. I don't care. I know it sounds arrogant as shit to say that I don't I don't fly like right unless I can get a good seat. Mm -hmm. It's about comfort, man. Right. And so uh. And that that's packed. I know that for sure is playing a huge role in this, but also construction again, added jobs. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get. Don't it. Let me see here. Exactly sixty four thousand jobs. I, and I don't know. That's the part I don't understand. Like I, I don't know any lenders that are making construction loans right now. Right. I, I literally got back from a conference from New York uh, like a week, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, "We're out of construction. We're not doing construction." Wow. I don't understand. I, I just theoretically, I, the premise of people going, "We're going to pay for people to build properties right now," it blows my mind. Mm. Who's taking that risk? Not to mention the fact that the materials cost is still high. I wonder, but the I wonder services how, cost, the GC cost, is super high. I wonder. Try how, to find somebody to work in your house. I wonder how how those get added. Like, do you know the um, people that are working on like the roads and whatnot? Every time they finish a job and they get a new job, is that considered? I wonder. I, I want to look into that. I don't know. Yeah, it might be sector. Maybe, on, maybe on, something on like that. That's why they're consistently getting new jobs on these reports yeah, maybe maybe I, I don't but know. We'll, we'll we'll get into it a little bit we'll get into it a little bit later because when we, when we tack if if we have time to tackle the uh downtown la commercial real estate i almost want to go to single family stuff right now but i also want to make apple look kind of like assholes so i have i'm very mixed emotional you know this is an apple though i know so 
According to the Wall Street Journal, Apple customers say it's hard to get money out of Goldman Sachs savings accounts. God damn. That's so fucked. I'm pausing for emphasis. Yeah. Everyone trusted Apple. Everybody. Some say, some say, say, it has taken weeks to withdraw their money and that the bank's instructions have differed. Yeah, so I I know you didn't get a chance to read this because I put this in last minute. Um, but what people were complaining about is they weren't able to transfer money. Let's say they they transfer money from like an American Express savings account and into this, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and now they want to take that money and transfer it into like their Vanguard account. Apple holds it because it's a large amount. They got they have to do their anti money laundering, you know, mm-hmm. due diligence. But for whatever reason, their Goldman Sachs due diligence process is taking like weeks. So people can't put them into their investment accounts. I have a theory. Because they're being held. Okay, I want to hear your theory in a second. But now, so what Apple was making them do, and this is, there's a couple of different stories cited in this article. You first have to transfer the money back to where it originally came from. No, really? Yeah, so they'll deny it. Say, okay, no, it's got to go back to American Express. And then you could do it from American Express. You could take it over there. Wow. They don't want any layering. Okay, I get, I know exactly what's happening. Mm. Tell me, break it down. I will break it down for you. I want you to look me in the face when I tell you the secrets okay. of the sector. <laughs> Got it. Okay. If you're driving out there, I want you to know you're being privy to a lot of information. Yeah. Maybe you give a little background too on anti-money laundering. It's not really anti-money laundering. It's not. I mean, they, they're it. citing AML. Are they really? Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, maybe that's what it is. So here's the, here's the problem is that Apple decided that they were going to release this product at 4.15% a savings account, a high yield savings account, correct? Correct. And when they came out with this, I believe they were number 11 in the country as far as rates go. They weren't the number one or number two. They didn't come out the highest possible rate. They were number 11. They also knew that they didn't need to because they were viewed as a trusted They're Apple. source. Right. And a couple of clicks and you're boom, your money's over there. Right. What people didn't realize was Goldman Sachs was the bank behind this. Mm-hmm. But Apple also knew that they were going to try to temper the amount of early adopters by saying you had to have a credit card with us. And the reason why was this product was really designed to be where they distribute cashback rewards from their credit card. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's what this was really designed for. And they said, oh, by the way, if you want to bring us money, you can do this. I don't think Goldman Sachs had enough employees to handle the transactional volume that came through. Yeah, like They didn't understand what they were in for. Arun, I know we quoted on an earlier show, while, while I'm going through my theory here, see if you can find how much money Apple's savings account generated for them in the first couple of weeks. I guarantee oh, you it's no. going to be monumental. I remember that article. It wasn't even the first couple of weeks. We cited the first day. Yeah, it was, it was insane. Yeah. So what I think happened was, typically speaking, Goldman Sachs isn't going to have a level of granularity that came in, mm-hmm. micro deposits that came in through all these accounts. It wasn't a ton of money that came in through just a few select people. Right. It was a ton of people transferring in a little bit of money Right. That made up that huge volume of money. Right. I don't think Goldman Sachs or Apple was in any way, shape, or form prepared for the volume. Apple's new savings account draws nearly one billion in deposits in first four days. Come on, dude. Yeah. A billion? These, these are not massive deposits on average. I guarantee you they're like right. a couple hundred dollars here you know, and there. I when when we did our research on this, I originally thought that these accounts were were capped at a at a maximum. But uh, based on that Wall Street Journal article, people were trying to transfer out like a hundred grand. So this is a very common thing with people in this space. And I don't, I don't know why people do this. I will say now more than ever, it makes sense to me, but 
for a long time, people would rate shop online, find the best possible rate, and just transfer money wherever they could to get the best possible rate. Right. But when you're talking like 1% or 2% rates, and you're thinking you're throwing stuff around for 10, 15 basis points or you know, small percentages of, of a percent, yeah. it doesn't make a whole lot of money. Right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. But now with but some places giving 5%. Yeah, if you're going from 3% to 4% and you got a couple hundred grand, that can make money, especially if you spread it out. Right. But people are worried about the security. So what I think really happened here, so BSA, AML, right, is a Bank Secrecy Act and Anti-Money Laundering Act, I believe. Yes. To make it really, really simple, and I'm going to butcher the shit out of this, and my friends in compliance and risk will probably get mad at me. Basically, banks have a responsibility to make sure you're not money laundering, that you're mm-hmm. not stacking, that you're not on a terrorist list, that you're not on some kind of watch list. Right. And that they have to run your name through these checks and have to make sure that you are legitimately spending money around. Because it can be very easy for, let's say, you, Saeed, mm-hmm. to be somebody who's on a don't do business with list somewhere. Right. To send money to from your American Express account mm-hmm. to Apple and then out to somewhere else. Now making it look like trusted funds that came from a trusted institution. Absolutely. When you don't know if that person truly met the BSA, BSA AML standards. And some banks right. try to rely on the fact that, oh, it came from a bank we know, like American say, Express. Yeah, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't. And they do have a responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility as a regulated institution, particularly an FDIC regulated institution. Right. If they offer FDIC insurance, which Goldman Sachs does. Right. So it is not so easy. So the reason why they're sending it back to the institution it came from is they don't want to have to deal with having to do the due diligence. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're, 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 they're clearly oversaturated with work and not enough employees to review all the, all the material here. Right. And, and it, look, it, it's not an easy process. And for a lot of these tech companies that jump in this space with a product that's really a white labeled bank product, mm-hmm. if they're successful, they inundate the institution. Yeah. Because they're just not prepared for this level of granularity. Goldman Sachs could have never in a million years launched a product that would have drawn in this many deposits from this many individuals in this short of a time ever. No. No, no matter what, they could have offered 6% rates and they wouldn't have the adoption that 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 Apple got. It's Apple, baby. Apple, baby. Odun, can you also do me a favor? Man? We're putting this guy into work tonight, poor guy. I know. Can you do me a favor? Can you look up, see if this information is out there? How many people have Apple cards? He can burn calories typing, right? Come on, man. What? I'm trying to help That's... him lose weight. He's laughing. Yeah, I, I, I can hear him laughing in the other room. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> can, you, can you please Google um, how many people have Apple cards? Oh wow! How many Americans have Apple cards? Yeah. How many people in the world? Yeah. How many or yeah? How many people have Apple cards to, that even could open up an account? Probably all in the U.S. Apple Card is a credit card uh, created by Apple Inc. and issued by Goldman Sachs, designed primarily to be used with Apple Pay. Like I told you, and on Apple devices such as an iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, or Mac. Currently, it's available to only the United States, with 6.7 million. American cardholders in early 2022. I wonder I how many of those 6.7 million Americans uh, made up that billion dollars. Billion dollars. It had to be a lot of them. Yeah, I would say probably half. Yeah, I feel like if you, I feel like if you got an Apple card, you're an Apple fanboy. Yeah, I, I, dude, I wanted one so badly. If I didn't, if I, no, you know what? I'm not gonna do this for you. No, do it. no, come no, on, finish that no, thought. No, you're not gonna get that from me. <laughs> come, nope. on. come on, come on, Odin. All right, I will tell you a funny black card related story that happened to me today. Okay, uh, so I got this email from Hertz and the rental car service. Yeah, let's go. Right, so 
That's their slogan. Hurts, let's go. Oh, is it? I thought you were mocking me. I was ready to slap you. <laughs> I thought, he was, I thought yeah. he was pumped for the story. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I thought he was too. No, I only we, know because Tom Brady's on those commercials. Okay, dude, your sport, the knowledge of sports shit that you maintain. You know how fucking brilliant you would be if you got if you just purged that? Yeah, Saeed. Come on, yeah. man. I mean, it was because I joined the bro, show. Bro, you're no better, bro. You know, but stop. But some of the random sports shit that both of you guys know. Yeah. I mean, you could fill that with like soliloquies and like, you know. If you're going like, to, if you're going to make fun of me, don't stutter. poems. If you're going to make fun of me, no, don't it's, stutter. it's actually called a soliloquy. No, but you said soliloquy. That's what you said. I do have an enunciation problem. Sometimes. Yeah, it's and, been going for like 10 days. Yeah. Okay. So, so back so, to the story. So the perks of having a black card? Yeah. It hurts. What's going on? I don't like either one of you at the moment right now. I'm just telling you. That, <laughs> <laughs> so. I get, I get this email from Hertz saying they've upgraded my account to like this platinum account. I've never heard of it before, right? Mm-hmm. But I did have one experience with Hertz, which made me like a brand loyalist for like the rest of my life. Oh, okay. I was stuck in in Dallas and I I, I had to drive through three tornadoes and the airport was packed and there was everybody canceled my flight to Houston, right? right so everybody's right. flight got canceled and there were several flights that were going there and the airport was just swamped and the storm was coming in. All the rental car places were packed and I didn't know what the hell happened, but I just logged onto an app. Tried, I, I just picked Hertz randomly. Yeah. And they gave me like gold, platinum, whatever, or gold status or something like that. And my name showed up on a sign. I got the last car in the parking lot. And there were hundreds of people in line for them specifically in hours long wait. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, turns out later on that my American Express concierge service signed me up for that account a long time ago. Wow. I just never actually used it. So whenever I logged in the the, the account... It recognized my name and the card associated with it and automatically upgraded my status and gave me the last car there. Wow. But because they did that, I was able to get to Houston from my meeting the next morning and I drove through like the tornadoes and the whole thing. There was a mom there stuck with her children. They took I see. That. I knew they, you didn't do that. I knew you didn't do that. They, they I didn't know who was stuck from, in a line because I, I didn't look. I, no, you said you looked. See, you looked. There's hundreds of people. Yeah, but I didn't you look didn't at the see individuals. Anybody? I, I'm very blind. I have my glasses on from a distance. <laughs> I saw lots of bodies, but I don't, I don't know if I saw any little people. What an asshole. In any event, so. Uh, it was a tremendous experience, and they really they really bailed me out of a really shitty situation because I probably wouldn't have made it otherwise. Right. So I got this email today saying, upgrade you to platinum status, and I'm like, great, cool. This is awesome. It's got all sorts of crazy perks I've never even heard they offer. Like, if you wanted to go pick up a car for me, mm-hmm. I could give you my number and my code, and they would let you pick it up for me. What? Crazy, right? The guy explained this to me. I'm like, what? If you fly, like, a private plane or something like that, or you, or you want your car, they will drop off a car to a location you tell them to drop it off to at a time. For you, and it'll just be there. Wow, that's concierge. I mean, level this. I'm like the guy's explaining all these like things to me, and I'm like, this is hurts, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you have a private access number, like all sorts of weird ass perks. Everybody in your family, your domestic partner, if you have one, they all, they all, whatever, everybody gets hooked up. How do people keep all these perks straight and in line? I feel like how would you remember this when you need it the most? I don't know, but they fucked me though. They <laughs> fucked me. So I get to see him. I'm like, these perks are great, right? So it's three steps, and and they upgrade your account automatically. Step one. Enter your zip code. I, I could do that. Easy. 92603. Boom. God, wow. All my information comes up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's me. That's my address. That's my name. Yeah. Cool. Confirm. No, no. Enter in your driver's license. Okay. I can do that. You got, I got that. that memorized. Yeah. Enter its expiration date. Got that too. Enter in your telephone number. Sure. Here. Enter in your credit card number. What? You guys already have that on file? That's weird. But okay. Click. Little another screen comes up. Little pop-up comes up. Mm-hmm. There's no place to enter your credit card number. It says credit card number, but nothing else. I'm like, okay, it's, it's, my, it's my browser, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> Hit submit anyway, see if I can get to the next screen. It says, no, we got to fill in your credit card number. Everything else there. I'm like, that's weird. So now I can't go to the third screen. Yeah. Switch browsers. Nope. Every browser I try, same thing. Go to my iPhone, same thing. 
Y'all send me an email to sign up for some shit I can't sign up for? Yeah, that's messed up. So I call the number. It says, you have any problems? Call here. Feel free. Call here. It's concierge service. Yeah. First girl I talked to, I talked to her for like 15 minutes. I swear to God, I thought she was in the Philippines. My wife's <laughs> Filipino, bro. Like, this is not a knock. Yeah. She just had a heavy accent, right? Yeah. And then I was like, so finally I got so frustrated. I'm like, you have anybody else that I can talk to? Maybe, maybe somebody domestic here? Wow. And she goes, I'm in Florida, sir. And I go, oh, <laughs> shit. You're an asshole, <laughs> She transfers me to this guy named Chris Houston, stud, very articulate, he had way better podcast voice than I do. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's articulate. I explained this whole thing to him. I sent him email, like an email, like Lincoln, everything else. He tries it and he goes, yeah, do the same thing for me. I'm like, it's fucked up, right? And he goes, yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> so I come back yeah. then. And I'm like, Chris, if you could do me one favor, he goes, what's that? So could you apologize to the girl who transferred me to you? <laughs> I didn't know. You gotta ask, man. I always ask you guys, man, where, where are you based out of? She had like full uh, accent. She even did the sir, ma'am thing. I've been in the Philippines. I love the culture. I'm not, not knocking sir, her. Sir, ma'am thing? That's just respect. Dude. No, no, no. In the Philippines, like everybody's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. They, they, everybody, they, they were very proper. I call everybody sir, ma'am too. No, no, I do. And I respect it. But there, it's like a it's like a colloquial, like normal thing for them oh, to man, do there. Come on. You made an assumption. No, no, that's a huge part of the. I made an assumption based. Maybe she was newly to the country. Wow. No, there was there there was a language barrier there. I'm telling you, man. Let's go. Let's go. Believe it this year. Don't make me a bad person. I'm just sharing a story that happened. Could you empathize with me for a little bit, please? Not even. Not a little bit. Don't 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 paint me out to be a bad person. Not even. Arun, you ever done that to somebody before? Thought they were not from this country. They were. Hundred times. See, hundred times. This guy bails you out every time. Every time. Because I'm honest. Because he's honest. And he knows that authenticity sells. You should try that. You wouldn't have so many people trolling you. <laughs> me? Okay, they trolled me, but that's okay. fine. <laughs> so what are we moving on to? Job opening shows surprise increase in April, according to Yahoo Finance, which mm. I will point out later in the show how they are lying assholes over at Yahoo Finance. So, so yeah, this is that's just foreshadowing the business, this is, kids. This is just more data showing that uh, employment's headed in the wrong direction. So this is from jolts this is the job opening uh, labor turnover uh report that comes out which is the world's worst name for a report it sounds sexy as shit yeah when they reference it they try to Ooh, sound all cool Did you, you jolts see, reports you see the jolt yeah job so, openings increased to 10.1 million in march of 2023 hires rose slightly to 6.12 million mm. and just to paraphrase all this for you so we can That's move actually, on to a sexier topic Job openings, that's actually, I think it's a typo. It was 10.1 million for April. In March, it was 9.75 million. Look at you correcting the Yahoo Finance liars article. And this yeah. is why I got beef with Yahoo Finance. Yeah. I will tell you right now, they firsthand be, experience, they fuck shit up all the time. They, yeah, exactly. All the time. All the time. Unreliable Yahoo Finance. Shame on you. Unbelievable. Anybody from Yahoo listening to this, give us a call. We'll help you correct your shit. Yeah, and if you want to sponsor, this would be a great time. In which case, we love you. Yeah. And we welcome your spend on the show. If you're listening to this show and you haven't left us mm. an honest five-star I did that in the beginning. You can't go back to that now. Well, I mean, it's worthy. Okay, fine. Yeah. Sell it. Just do it sexy. Do like an accent or something. <laughs> Come on, man. Do Wait, it. Let me zoom in on you real quick. Yeah, go ahead. No, zoom in on him. No. Get that camera on him. There you go. Yeah, boy. Listen, All right. You got English? We're not. I don't know. Welcome to the I stand. Come on, go ahead. Do no, no, no. You're, the, you're, the, you're the guy with all the- Sell it, bro. Accents. No, not me. That's not me. I'm just saying- the numbers aren't reflective of how many people listen to the show. And all we want is some love. We're not getting paid for this. Oh, I am, though. Look at the camera. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get asked out over here. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so in addition, in addition to the 10.1 million job openings, that's creeping. I think now that's back up to two job openings for every unemployed person. That's crazy to me, man. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the Fed is trying hard too. Trying hard, and the data—they want the data so badly to go their way, so they can actually have like a pause and you know what, say, "Hey, we're done with the interest rate tightening mm-hmm. cycle." They've done everything they can to to put a caveat around. We're gonna wait and see. Right. We're gonna see what's gonna happen. We're gonna look at the data. Right. Which fine if you're a fan of Milton Friedman and his monetarism theory. Mm-hmm. That that was his thing, right? Mm-hmm. As somebody who's in the government, whose job it is to control fiscal policy, you should not focus on your intention. You should focus on the results. And the Fed is saying the right thing. They're gonna look at the data and make decisions. The results. Right. But the data ain't ain't. 100% all gravy, gumdrops right. and lollipops. It's not exactly oh, going the right way. So this reminded me what I, I wanted to get to this earlier, but you, that you, reminded you? you you had moved on. Uh yeah, what I, I think from what I what I think side. what I what I really think the Fed's going to have to do and what I think that they realize they're going to have to do is they're monitoring what's being uh reported on the Bloomberg world interest rate probability. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're monitoring what's going on on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange on what they what the public seems to believe the Fed funds future market is. Okay, and now we know that a lot of people have guaranteed two rate cuts by the end of the year. Which is insane to me. Which is a, com- a complete opposite of what Jerome Powell and the homies. They have literally said, and I'm not overstating, this is a quote, we're not cutting rates in 2023. Not going to happen. No. Right? Not going to do it. So for, for that to be the expectation to me is outrageous that there's going to be two rate cuts, right? Mm-hmm. I think by September, what um, those reports are saying or what those charts are saying is one of them will have happened by September, okay? I think what the Fed's going to have to do is continue to hold at, at the bare minimum, if not raise it one, one more time. I'm not saying that they're going to. That's not a prediction. But definitely hold it until they break um, that expectation of a rate cut, and then I think the market will adjust and realize, oh, shit, they weren't playing around. They were being serious. Ugh. The grim reality that's in front of us is not so fun, but okay. So we've said this before on the show. I'll say it again. The stock market is essentially just a discounted cash flow analysis. Mm -hmm. If you expect companies to make more money, people buy them. Mm -hmm. They buy them more and more and drive the price up. And as you drive the price up, you believe that company is going to make more money in the future. Mm -hmm. You believe a company is going to make less money. You sell the stock and drive the price down. Right. And you believe that the company is going to earn less in the future. Now, right. earnings, gross revenue is only one part of it. It's their expenses too. It's really the earnings per share or their earnings after, so their income minus their expenses and their earnings that truly matter. But that is the discounted cash flow. That's, that's really what the entire stock market comes down to. Right. And some companies have behavioral economics behind them, like Tesla, who never made any money and they weren't doing that great, but people believed in them fundamentally that this company is going to change the world. And those are rare. Right. But those do come along and they just change sectors. Sometimes people get it wrong. Like, look at Uber. Everybody thought it was going to come along and be profitable right away. It took a long time for them to build traction. Right. But they were building a new sector, an unprecedented kind of business, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the market is not rational right now. We know sooner or later consumer discretionary spending will pull back. Bank stocks are getting hit right now because people expect banks to make less money. And why? Simple. Mm-hmm. Banks primarily make money on the net interest margin, the difference between what they pay on average of for all their deposits to you, the consumer, the difference between what they get in loans from you, the people they make loans to. That's broken down in the most simplest form. The simplest form. So that difference, that net interest margin, the difference between one and the other, the arbitrage of the two numbers, right. loan rates are usually higher than deposit rates, usually. 
Mm -hmm. That difference is how banks make their money. So we know that banks are going to make less money because deposit prices ramp up really quickly. So you come to me and say, Chris, I want to change my deposit price. I can't do that to you, the consumer on the loan, because you got a fixed loan for three, five, seven, ten, maybe even 30 years. Right. So I got to wait till you refinance or I got to put more loans in the books in order to move up that weighted average number. So we know that banks, regardless of size, globally, systematic, important banks, City, Chase, Wells, B of A, community banks, regional banks, all of them are going to make less money than they had the last couple of years. So their stock prices trading down are the natural, logical conclusion. Right. But why does it stop there? Why hasn't this impacted other sectors? The Great Depression, the entire market fell off the cliff. Right. During 1929. October 29th, 1929. I think... I, I think what what it is ultimately is it goes back to the ex expectations influence behavior, right? Okay. So if the expectation based on what we're seeing uh, in the Fed Fund's future market is that there will be rate cuts, that the expectation is there's still room for second half of the year growth, until that gets broken, things aren't going to change because people are still out there spending. We, we cited it, consumer spending, right? That's at what? Consumer debt's now at $17 trillion, right? Yeah, $17 trillion. $17 trillion. The people are still spending. Mm -hmm. they haven't re they're not willing to accept that there's going to need to be change. And, and you know who this is really going to hurt in the long run is all those landlords in downtown LA. Mm. The segue was fire. <laughs> that, was, that was good. I didn't think you were going to go there so soon. Yeah. So the article that we have in the show notes, and this is actually a good time for us to pause. If you listen to the show and you're newer, if you go to Apple, you go to Spotify, we actually post in the show notes the links to all the articles we talk about. Mm. So if you want to go and actually click on one of these articles, they're all there. If you also subscribe to our newsletter, we will email them to you. We try to keep the emails down because we, we don't want to send out two emails a week to you. Yeah. But we will absolutely email them to you. But we're, if the best location for you- We're not like those you, other companies. No. We're the companies that when we send you a, a sexy image, yeah. you're going to look at it and go, God. I am so appreciative to get this 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 yeah. this email. I love them. that they don't annoy me. It's informative, and why is Saeed topless? <laughs> That's not true. No, it's not true. But let me tell you right now. I, I played Arun and I were at my house the other day, cussing you out and making fun of you for not working. And we wow. we, we downloaded the beta of the new Photoshop, where you can literally like circle something yeah. and it has generative fill, and just say like fill it up with this. Yeah, that shit's unbelievable. That's why you guys made me look so fat. No, 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 no. We didn't do that. We told Photoshop to make you look how you should, and it chose fat. Oh, I should be fat. And it gave you, for some reason, this weird man bun thing, which I thought looked quite good on you, despite your, <laughs> not, your disdain for, for long hair. Yeah. You could pull it off, bro. You look like Maz Jabrani. It did make my forehead bigger, which yeah. is already big. Yeah. Can, I, can we take a, before we get to the apartment complex, and I'll explain why I talked about the linking thing in a minute, but- uh -huh. Somebody came at me in the comment section of one of the Mind Pump oh, reels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And said, who fish hooked his eyebrows? Wow. And I'm not going to lie. That was good. You got to give kudos. They are kind of pointy. <laughs> like, why, why didn't y'all tell me this shit? I've been funny of your eyebrows for a long time and you, and you got no, mad at me. I just didn't you realize said, there was like a sharp, I looked like a fucking cartoon character. Nobody said that fucking word to me ever. I, I made fun of your eyebrows and you got mad at me and said, I thought that was my best attribute. And then, the, then the I did say that to you, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> on the Mind Pup episode, why were they so like perky? Yeah, you were again. You were a little. Was I too hyper? You were hyper. You were. I don't know. There's a lot going on. I don't. I don't. You kept rubbing your ear too. Because there's a bump. On, it's still there. There's a bump on the back of my ear. It's got very. It's weird. Weird. I'm very concerned about it. Mm. And I can feel you looking at my backside of my head. It got hot. Yeah, because I was behind you, like Eddie Murphy Raw. Right. Very far behind me. 
Yeah, because I'm capable. Kudos to you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I can sense your presence. There you go. All the way across the room. All right, get into this. So this article from Bloomberg talks about downtown LA's office distress shows the pain coming for cities. Mm. It was an interesting one of those interactive articles where you scroll up and like images like overlay over one another. I thought, I, honestly, when I, I kept refreshing thinking it was a messed up article. Yeah, so Arun, keep it right there. From a distance, downtown Los Angeles can look like the Wizard of Oz's Emerald City with smog. A shimmering skyline with the Hollywood Hills and San Gabriel Mountains forming a picturesque backdrop. Mm. Up close, its buildings tell a bleak story of the turmoil rolling, roiling, sorry, U.S. commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. So what it basically comes down to is it points out several office buildings, almost all office buildings that are in the, about this article. There's some other stuff here. Mainly highlighting Brookfield Corporation. Yes. And the debt that they owe because they've gone into foreclosure on, on four, I think it was. I, uh, was yeah. it four? I think two, and four, four are in trouble, two have defaulted. Okay, yeah. It's been a while since I read yeah, one, one went into, definitely one went into receivership. But the most oh, interesting right chart that I, I thought was worthwhile to to look at was the one right there that Arun just pulled up. Well timed, brother. You were on one today. Mm-hmm. See how functional you are when you work out, man. <laughs> See, this is incredible. You honestly, I feel like you fucking you're brilliant today. <laughs> this is right. This like is, I mean, it's just it's a bit much. We're going you're going at him a little much. Hey, you gotta, Dylan, come on, man, give me a compliment. That's a positive reinforcement. The guy did what he promised he was going to do on the day he said he was going to do it. Yeah, Chris because, give me kudos and say he's just downplaying it. Yeah, you are downplaying the man's kudos. Can you call him? Give him a compliment. I'm gonna stop working out. Thanks, Said. Oh, geez. see, look, don't, don't do that. Give this, him a compliment. This he is needs my fault. You give look, him a, say something nice about him. You look great, man. And you Fuck laughed you. afterward. Fuck you. That's fucked up. <laughs> Tell him. That, say just say something nice to him. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm I'll, proud of you, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Don't don't, don't, back, don't don't back to this article, man. So you're just doing yourself a disservice. All right. So the cities face a growing glut of empty buildings, office vacancy rates of major central business districts. I love this chart, okay? Okay. Compares Houston, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Chicago, San Francisco, D.C., Seattle, Philadelphia, Manhattan, and Boston. Mm. Now, San Francisco, as we know, office space has had a huge increase in in vacancy, right? They're well above 30%. Right. What was interesting to me was to see Los Angeles has always had a pretty high vacancy rate. Yeah. Since, I mean, the start of the pandemic anyway. Right. You're talking 20% to a little, probably a little bit of a peak up to 30%. So we haven't seen vacancy cap out there, but look at Atlanta's sharp increase. But we know, but we do, what we do know is when these guys get loans, they push, they push their loan amounts pretty high Mm -hmm. to that, to that threshold. Right. So these are also institutions too. If vacancies go up, um, five, 5% in some cases, at a, for a prolonged period of time, that can really hurt their cash position. And it's going to. But if you look at all of these major markets, they're all on the increase. And yes. Houston and Los Angeles, Los Angeles in particular. Damn, San Francisco. San Francisco is like a straight vertical line up. But look at Chicago. It is too. Look at Atlanta. Look at Seattle. Yeah. Seattle, I mean, Seattle went from below 10% to above 20%. Shout out to our Seattle listeners. We know you're We got there. a lot of Seattle listeners love, out there. I love our Seattle I love listeners. every single damn one of you. Yeah. If you're in Seattle right now, pull over and hug yourself. That's from Saeed and I. <laughs> yeah. We love that you love you. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. But all these are on the upward tick, and they're very concerning. But look at how far Houston started. Houston started well above 20%, Mm -hmm. peaked up. They're kind of going up and down. What I think people forget, though, is they see these dips in these charts. Right. And we'll get to the Yahoo article about single family soon. And they get so excited. Oh, my God, the downward trend's starting. Mm -hmm. 
That is not the case, okay? No. Look at Los Angeles. It looked like it was going down, but now it's peaked back up. People forget these types of economic cycles are not linear. Right. They don't go straight up or straight down. Yes. As you zoom in, there's lots of peaks and valleys on the way up. So don't see things like a month or two of change in pricing or vacancy and think that you're seeing a turnaround. Right. You are not seeing a turnaround. Not, they're not seeing a turnaround. And here's the problem ahead um, for a lot of these landlords. With And this is why we talk about things like the Fed funds rate and why you should know this is going to impact other industries and other sectors, right? Even if these landlords would like to convert some of these spaces into different uses, construction costs are so high. And right now, we already know- Not to mention permitting plans. Not to mention permitting. Not easy to do, dude. Getting it rezoned, right? Mm -hmm. So couple all that together with that. I mean, how long long will it take? Who's who's financing construction right now during this time? I, I don't know of anybody. That, right? That's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't understand who's doing a lot of this right now. Like I look at it and I'm going like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Right. So even even if they wanted to convert the space, I mean, um, it's not, it doesn't seem feasible right now. And that's, that's my fear, right? Okay. Let's say they start to accept the fact that office buildings are going to remain vacant like this. I'm sending you the, the one on homes right now, Arun. I know, I know you don't have it. So continue on. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where you were, were talking about cost of conversion, construction. Well, yeah, I mean, just, just that. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening um, anytime soon with vacancies remaining high. If they start to accept the fact that vacancies are going to remain high and they want to start converting, it's not, um, not going to be feasible. So a lot of these are going to, I think you're going to see more and more uh, buildings go into receivership. And what that means when a, um, a building goes into receivership, that means that the owner of the building is no longer trying to save the property. You're just giving it up. And there's going to be more. Well, we've already seen that, number one. Right. Uh, number two, I, I think you're going to see more and more of it. I think you start to see the conversion, stuff like that. That typically doesn't happen from the guy who owns it now. Right. That happens from the guy who's trying to buy it later on at a discount. It's, some of these values are crazy, man. Listen to this. So uh, the Union Bank Plaza that sold in March for $104 million, that's half of its price in 2010. Yep. That's fucked up. I don't even know how to pronounce this. The Aeon Center. That's right. Is that, did I say that right? You did. Yeah. The Aeon Center in Los Angeles, that's the third tallest tower, uh, has been on sale since February at an asking price below its 2014 value of $270 million. Mm-hmm. No offers. Meanwhile, everyone out there is like, you know what? Single family homes are not going to go down. Mm-hmm. Home price is going to go up every year for the next five years. Right. Hey, Adam, is that you in the front row? You son of a bitch. Right. Um, I think the the gas company tower that, that went into receivership that we talked about, mm-hmm. it's got a $465 million loan on it. Pennies. No one's paying it. You can pay for that. You got that. I got that. You do got that? No, I do not got that. I do not. Yeah, I had some listeners reach out to me. Don't do that. Don't lie. Oh, everything, everything you say next is a lie. No, it's not a lie. They said, Chris said you need six months of savings in your emergency fund mm-hmm. to cover all living expenses. Yes, in an ideal world. In an ideal world. Yeah. Chris's Amex bill every month is how much? Oh, dude, I got hit up today by somebody who's like, hey, man, <laughs> you telling me you got 600 grand? <laughs> you tell me, yeah, exactly. Just sitting in your emergency fund? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I do. Ball so hard. No, it pains me. It pains you? It pains me greatly. That it needs to be that high? It doesn't <laughs> have to be that high, man. 
<laughs> bro, there's some days I like I'm transferring money around. Like I did it a couple days ago. I'm transferring money around. Mm-hmm. So all my money, the way I manage my money is right. It all comes into like one main operating account. Right. And I disperse some to the household operating account, which is what my wife spends any kind of cash out of. She charges obviously the most things, the Amex. Mm-hmm. Um, I move stuff to from the property management accounts into other accounts. All the all that stuff gets auto pay. Everything else, right? So shout out to Oklahoma, Oklahoma in the house. Yeah, you Oklahoma know in the house. All that auto pay happens on its own, and then I'll take the net difference every single month and keep. I think about approximately like fifteen to twenty five hundred dollars per property. There, it's I, the, I know the net number. I don't know the actual right individual property number at this point because I've just had it there for so long. And then I'll I'll start distributing money that way, right? But I always move this money around. To like pay things like the Amex bill. Right. The last couple of months, man, it's been it's been like an emotional time for me. It's been tough. Like transferring that money, I'm like. Mm. So I know you've been. It never gets easier. I know I I know you're, you're a ways removed from this scenario, but we had a listener reach out to us and they had a question, right? Mm. Non financial advice. They just want to know what our thoughts are. They said if you had to choose between paying down debt or begin your your savings account. Pay down debt. Pay down debt. Which one would you do? Pay down debt. And that that was that was my answer too. Yeah, one hundred percent paid on debt. I said, always tackle your you know highest interest rate debt first. You got your you got your Dave Ramsey's out there telling you, tackle the small one first. It'll get the ball rolling. It'll, so I, it'll I, make I don't you, disagree with that logic though. It'll make because you understand behavior. Yeah, behavior for, for his base. And there was actually somebody else's article that I read which explained the behavioral economics, but it, it did a great job in saying what he didn't say. In a room, we will get to this article, so don't 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 leave there. But his suggestion was you pay down your, your smallest amount of debt first. It gives you that emotional victory that will carry you forward mm-hmm. because you got that sense of relief. Yes. If that's if you know you're that kind of person, then go ahead and do that. I've always been a proponent of pay down your biggest debt first right? because you're getting paid. You're charging the most amount of interest or the most amount of dollars. Free up more cash flow. Yeah. It just frees up more cash flow for you. Mm-hmm. But it is a, it's a labor of love. It's a discipline. It's not easy to do. And I, I feel for a lot of people. But if then, you're already in the position that you're in mm-hmm. and you don't have an emergency fund, Focus on freeing up your cash flow because it'll make your emergency fund a whole hell of a lot easier to right. do when you pay down your debt. And frankly, that's the anchor around you right now. Not having an emergency fund is probably the tertiary concern here. Right. And then once that debt is paid down, you now know you can set aside that payment that you were making, transfer that over into your savings account. Yeah, and to be clear, I, I don't hate Dave Ramsey and everything. I, I harp on the whole home value is going to go up every year for the next five years, but that's actually solid advice by him. Mm-hmm. And that, that there's a lot of things that he says like that that's actually good. Yeah, whatever floats your boat finds your lost remote. I'm sorry, what was that last part? <laughs> whatever floats your boat or finds your lost remote. That's not a saying, is it? It is, yeah. Andre 3000. I love him. You know, he's seen around Jap- Japan lately. Oh, inside you wanted to go in on me, but once I dropped Andre 3000, yeah, like, no, you let I'm, it go. You let that go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because the dude's like an icon. Yeah. And, and he's like, it was, either him, it was either him or Big Boy. I oh, okay, see, there's a big that, difference. That's the other member, though. Yeah, yeah. That's the other member, that's though. That's the other member, but they, they were not exactly the. Okay, yeah, you know yeah. what? I'm going to let you go on that one. Yeah. According to Yahoo Finance, home prices increased for the second straight month. And every fucking realtor sent this to me or like posted it. You're wrong, man. You're wrong, man. You don't know what's going You're wrong, man. Yeah. The article said U.S. home prices again increased month over month in March, according to widely watched index Mm. reflected the continued inventory shortages styming home buyers. Okay. Lots of really shiny words there did not explain the index and then ultimately went into it. Right. And it's the one, you know, S&P CoreLogic. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price Index rose 0.4% in March compared with the previous Month, according to data released on Tuesday, this is March. The the- March 
We're in May, bro. Yeah, we're in May, March. number one. And uh, this is the 20 city composite. Because yep. we know that there's there's uh, multiple indexes. And right? they never take the composite indice, they use. Indices. 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 That was the second straight month of gains after seven consecutive months of price declines. The index used to repeat uh, sales method. Use the repeat sales method to measure home price growth. This method uses data on properties that have sold at least twice to more accurately calculate the change in each home's value. So now it's excluding certain properties come up with what they believe to be a more accurate indication of price. Mm -hmm. It has to be properties that sold twice. Who's been selling properties recently in the last couple of years twice when they got a super low mortgage? Right. Not a whole lot of that happening. Not but a okay, whole lot. Let's go, let's go on. On a year-over-year -year basis, home price growth decelerated again. Oh! <gasps> Don't say it ain't so. Wow. You know how many realtors got to this paragraph? None. 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 Not a single damn one. They're like, oh, right. nope, price is, going, price is going up. Right. Decelerated again. Housing values edged just 0.7% higher in March, lower than the 2.1% annual gain recorded in February. The index is 3.6% below its June 2022 peak. Right. So something that needs to make sure that we need to make sure that we're highlighting here. These are based on national averages. Okay. Mm -hmm. So depending on what region you're in, what city you're in. We know the West Coast is impacted. Yes. We know the East Coast hasn't been that impacted yet. And we know the Midwest, for the most part, has not been impacted right. yet. Right. And, and they're, all, they're, they're fine, right? So th these are national averages. From, from their highs, at one point, I believe home prices were down 11%. We're now back, it, they're back up to 5%. Mm -hmm. But I, fu I fully expect this still to go somewhere from what we said all along. Somewhere within ten to fifteen percent, right? That that's where you're still saying. Uh, I am still saying that, and I want to read the quote underneath this article just because I want to tell people this is all that people saw. The Case Shiller National Home Price Index and Twenty City Composite show prices on the rise since 1987. Yeah. So now we're just gonna go all the way back to 1987 and say, "Hey, look, man, home mm -hmm. prices go up." Yeah, well, since 1987. Yeah, yeah. So here's 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 some of the data out there for you. Um, let's see. Median sale price for a home in April was four hundred seven thousand mm -hmm. dollars. That's up uh, by more than seven percent, or seven thousand dollars in March. I'll say. So okay. this, these are April numbers. Um, home prices are down four point one percent when compared year over year. Um, on the supply side of the equation, as of April, there are one point four million homes listed for sale. That's the same from a year ago. In 2020, inventory was about 2 million homes for sale. If you wanted to, you know, get that pre-pandemic, uh, those pre-pandemic figures down. Percentage of homes sold above list in April. Won't take it's going to be more than, more than I want to know. Yeah. 33.6% of yeah. homes are being sold above the list price still. A home in my neighborhood was listed at 2.8, sold for 3.2. Yeah. Sold in Wait, one week. in your neighborhood? Yeah. 2.8 million shot. list. Sold for 3.2. And don't act surprised about my neighborhood like that. Don't do that to me because wow. you live in a palazzo. Okay, we all can't afford these, you know, massive properties and this construction like you got going on over there. Some of us got to live humbly, you know what I mean, bro? Hey, you got to flex with the black card. I flex for my house. Wow. Wow. He doubled down. Wow. Okay. We want to talk about your house? Oh, no, let's stop. This is a key stop. <laughs> this match. <laughs> in eight, so that 33.6%, this matches the high uh, end of pre-pandemic levels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the market is not, we know the market is not what it was 12 to 24 months ago. At that time, 60% of homes were being sold above list. So that is, it is coming down, right? 
It is coming 12 down. 12 to 24 months ago, enough. 60% of the homes being sold were being sold above list. You want to know when you can stop worrying about inflation and federal interest rate increases? Mm. When home prices go down more than they have. Right. And yes, I still think, frankly, at this point, I, I think 15 to 20% is, is a real number. 15 to 20. Yeah. I'm sticking 10 to 15. Um, but look, for the for the people out there listening to... Um, not those, in all markets. Not in all markets. Actually, fifteen to twenty percent in some markets. Not yeah, in all markets. yeah. It depends on the region, right? A cra- average across the country, twelve to fifteen percent. Twelve to fifteen. Damn. Yeah. Margin for error, a lot less. Yeah. You could have gone ten to fifteen. Give yourself. No, I think twelve to fifteen across the country is probably what we'll see, but I, I think it'll be a prolonged period of painful times before we mm-hmm. get there. Right. Last year, six million homes were sold. Okay. Right now, there's only one point four million homes for sale. Mm-hmm. So we know that I think the low inventory is really what's propping up this propping up this market. Mm-hmm. Okay. With that being with that being said, um, I think ninety percent of the people out there with mortgages have mortgage rates under five percent. Why would they sell? They have no reason to sell. So until people start losing their jobs, right, and they don't have, we know uh, a lot of people have less than ten thousand dollars in savings in their accounts. We talked about it, right? Sooner or later, unemployment will rise. Wages will come down. Right. Consumer spending is not slowed, mm-hmm. and we have the highest non-household debt in history. Right. Not an overstatement, just a fact. Right. Okay, if we know that to be true, yeah, and we know that the single largest source of net worth for most Americans across the country is the equity in their home, particularly following two years where home values went up in some cases 42% in, in two years, leading into 2023. Yep. There's only one source most people can go. Because we've seen the numbers yeah. on multiple shows about how many people can't afford an emergency expense. Right. But you can you can bet your last dollar that people are going to do whatever they have to do to hold on to that. They're going to ask family members. Mm-hmm. They're going to do whatever they need to do to save their house, especially that, that low rate. Which is why this is taking so long to get elasticity back in the market. Right. Arun, I want to I finalize this number because I've done this a couple times now. I believe it's 34% of inflation is rent or rent equivalent, right? It is, yes. Okay. Never, you don't have to confirm. We, we know that. Said, said is, I forgot, is a Nobel laureate. Soon to be. Soon, no, you, I mean, you and Ben Bernanke are tight, right? Yeah, me and Ben. I mean, you called him, right? Yeah. Ben. Bernie. <laughs> Let's go to the Boom Boom Room. <laughs> boom Boom Man, Noriel. Noriel. Noriel's over there waiting for us. We haven't had a Noriel conversation in a while. He's been quiet. He's, he's just waiting for the boom. No, he's been in the hot tub with ladies for like the last couple of weeks. You he probably, he probably hasn't even surfaced. You already know. He's out here trying to go like, you know what they love about me? My brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so th- this is why things are dragging out. And, and I think is, is it's, it's going to take some time to see that change from the consumer. It's, it's after 14 years, you have an entire generation of people who either forgot or haven't lived through what we're dealing with now. And I think the pressures are really interesting. And I know we talked last show about the guy who trolled me, and but that's such an, a great indicator of how people don't understand how different what we're going through really truly is. Right. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not an economist like you. I'm not a brilliant mind. Chief economist of the higher standard. That's what you are. Let's go. I just work here. And, um, I can tell you, I've spent probably more than most as far as time goes. I feel bad for the people that were sold on the idea that this is going to be the greatest housing reset of our generation, right? Yeah. 
that's 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 what hurts me because they were waiting on the sidelines. That's that those are the people I feel bad for. So right now the Peter Schiff's of the world were telling everybody, it's gonna fail, it's gonna come down. Patrick Bet David was out there saying the same thing. Yeah. A lot of people were like the doom and glooms, like it's gonna blow up. And look, is there a probability of that? Yeah. Is it a slim probability? Absolutely. Do I think it's gonna be the great reset? No. I don't. Do I think values are gonna have to come down a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, but they're still gonna be well above what they they Values raised forty percent. So yeah. in two thousand in two thousand ten, when all those mortgages were foreclosed on, two point nine million homes were foreclosed on. Mm-hmm. Two point nine million homes went on the market. A hundred thousand homes are projected to be foreclosed on this year. Yeah. Big yeah. difference. And there's a lot of attorneys that are in that space that are that are holding out going like, Oh, it's gonna be great. Let's I hope you know because people attorneys made killings in that foreclosure period. Just being in that space, entire firms were propped up around it. Wow. And they're all thinking that this is going to happen again. And I mean, Peter Schiff and Patrick Bet David and all those people who are like the, the real negative connotation people might might be uh, out there saying stuff. But you know what I haven't heard from in a long time? Lawrence Yoon over the National Association of Realtors. He's been quiet. He's been real quiet. What happened? I don't know, man. Hasn't said a word yet. <laughs> Nothing. All the people who were very vocal in the beginning, they've yeah. kind of like been drowned out. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I remember. Yeah. What happened to your boy Zandy? Mark Zandi, first of all, still not a fan. That's your boy. Not my boy. I literally told people at Moody's the other day, like, I don't like your boy Zandi. <laughs> Did you really? They're like, well, we don't really talk him that much. I said, I'll tell you why. Yeah. He's not a nice man. He's, yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. He, he uh, big league me to be on the podcast. They're like, well, his podcast. And I said, I, 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 don't, I don't be this guy here. I don't like, you know, toot my own horn. Toot, toot. 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 You like tooting your own horn? You know, 1% over here. Mark Zandi, way over there. <laughs> not 1%. He's not, huh? Yeah. Our show, in the top 100. Zandy's, never even seen it. No. Nope. Yeah. I might send him a postcard from the top 100, let him know what it's like. <laughs> I'm not this arrogant normally, just when the mics aren't recording. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Anyway. He deserves it. Yeah, you had a show. You had a story about uh, your daughter. Oh, yeah. This is this is actually funny. We'll end the show, we'll end the show on this. So, um, today I'm spending some quality time with my daughter, and she likes to play board games. And she's like, I take her over and she she picks out the game she wants to play and she picks um Guess Who. Remember that game? I don't think I ever played Guess Who. You know what you know how how it goes though? So it's basically there's like, I don't even know, let's say 30, 40 people faced up, right? And there's two. She's got her set, I got my set. You pick a random card, and it's my it's your objective to figure out who she has, and she has a guess who I have. Right. Okay. And you ask a series of questions by process- never play this game, by the way. Okay. So you ask the person a series of questions by process of elimination. You knock down all the people and you're left with their person theoretically. And then you guess. Mm-hmm. So we play this game. We open it up. We start off. She goes, uh, she, she's acting like she doesn't know. And I'm buying it. She goes, is it a boy? I'm like, yeah. So she knocks down all the girls. Right. I'm like, okay. I asked my question, same, because that's the easiest one right out the this gate. This would not be okay with woke culture. I know. Right I out know. the gate, you've offended a lot of people. <laughs> right out of the, yeah. This is what the YMCA taught me, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I say, great question, because that eliminates half the people right out the gate. Boy or girl? She says, girl. I'm like, okay, cool. Knock down all the boys. Her next question, she goes, is your person wearing a blue hat? There's only one guy wearing a blue hat. I'm like, yeah. Knocks it all down. She's like, this, is this your person? I'm like, yeah. How the fuck? How did you run it back? Like, oh, let's play it again. I'm not going to let you beat me like this. Two questions? That's like a world record. Next thing you know, we play again. Sure enough, she does it again. I'm like, no, 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 no. Something's going on here. What this girl and her brother did is mm-hmm. they made all the characters on both sides the exact same. So her side is matching mine, right? All the people. 
And when you get your card, you hide your, uh, the person you are because you know that that's not them. So when I hit it, she immediately checked her page and she said, oh, I could tell who your character is just by putting down the one person. And she gained me. She gave a five-year-old game me. Sad part is Chris has no idea because he's never played the game. Never played the game. Fuck, that's smart on her part. So, dude, and she didn't even tell me. She tries to do this with me tomorrow night when I'm watching her. Oh, yeah, that's right. Odun got uh, How On Night Date Night. Yeah, yeah, I know. I heard about this. You heard about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you didn't tell me. But you guys got date night coming up? You didn't. You know where we're going? I don't know where it's you're It's supposed going. to be a secret. I don't know. He's not telling me. You found out, bro. Well, I mean, he told me right before we got here. Oh. Yeah. What strip club is it? <laughs> yeah, you said it. My <laughs> wife and I just, <laughs> No, we're going to a jazz lounge. I haven't done that since. My wife and I did that one time in New Orleans. A jazz lounge? I, I, he bought us cigarettes. And you're going to, where, where's this at? Is it Orange County? It's in Los Angeles. Apparently, it's like the the number one trumpet player uh, in the U.S. or the world. Is that what you said? I believe so, yeah. He me... bought this for you? Yes. He bought it for me, yeah. This has got to be a setup. He's, <laughs> yeah, trying to, he's trying to get you out of the house or something. <laughs> yeah, what's he doing? Yeah, be careful when you come home, bro. I know. Yeah, something something ain't right here. I'll Shout out Keon Harold. Keon Harold. That sounds like a jazz player. Sounds like the number one trumpet player to me. Yeah. Keon Harold, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll let you know how it goes. Is there anybody who plays jazz flute? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tell him, Saeed. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.